Welcome to Hillside Community Church's weekly podcast. We're glad that you've chosen to listen to this week's message and hope that it ministers to you today. Hillside's located in Keller, Texas, and if you would like to know more about us or to listen to previous recordings, please visit us at yourhillside.com. And now, this week's message. Did you enjoy the movie? That was a little ridiculous. That was a little ridiculous. But I don't know. I don't know. This is my part. Don't associate me with everything that happens around here. We are excited today because, uh, you know, since Christmas, since right before Christmas, we talked a little bit about India, then we had our missions conference, we had our worship night, we showed the video about India, and, uh, and I'm very happy to say that Kirk Nowry and Violetta Nowry are both here, who are India uh, specialists. Won't you guys stand up? Would you stand up? I'm a missionary. I just want you to see them. They're here. Uh, so many of you have asked about, you know, how do I get in touch with them? What is their website? All of that. Well, uh, Kirk and Violetta will be out in the foyer out there with me uh, in between services. And so would love to have you go out there and talk with him, uh, get caught up. They'll be leaving back for India again here in a couple weeks. So we're glad to have him here. All right. So we have been doing, we've been in a series since the beginning of January uh, called Eternal Living Now. Uh, John, we've used first John, John has described Jesus himself as, as life itself, eternal life. And we've been arguing that you don't have to wait, if you're in connection with Jesus, if you're in companionship with Jesus, you don't have to wait till you get to heaven to enjoy eternal life. Eternal life is a quality of life that you can be enjoying now. Uh, in fact, John gives us, he says, and the life was revealed and we have seen it and testify about it, announce to you the eternal life, he calls it, that was with the Father and was revealed. What we have seen and what we announce to you so that you may have, this becomes sort of John's special words, fellowship with us. Indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So whatever this eternal quality of life that we can already be living. John uses this word fellowship to describe it, to picture it. Now, we've been saying about fellowship that it's, an, it's a highly relational term. It's interactive. It's a personal term. And it really means to have in common. So we have been looking at what, what is it we have in common with each other and with Christ. And we've drawn this picture here. We've said eternal living now, according to John, is fellowship with us, fellowship with each other, and our fellowship, he says, is with the Father and with the Son. And John puts community first. He's put community first throughout this whole thing as if to say, you can't get to God without going through the community. That's kind of what he has said. In other words, you can't just have some sort of private relationship with God that's not manifesting itself in community. He lives, he's a relational God, he lives in community, he's created a community, I'm a part of that community. So my relationship with God, what we have, you know what we have in common? We talked about this at length last week. What we have in common with God is each other. That's, what we, that's one of the things we have in common with God. So no one has a relationship with God 
that community doesn't make up a huge part of that relationship. So when I come to God, I come to God about you. When I come to God, it's a lot about relational issues and things I need to bring to him to intercede on each other's behalf. We said last week, what are you going to talk to God about if it's not each other? Each other's problems, issues, missions, what, what we're all about, what we're doing together, what God is doing in you and through you. Those are the things we're discussing. Those are the things we're bringing to God. So this. So we said God, a relationship with God is not primarily private. It's intensely personal, and it's internal. It's mutual. It's intimate. It's something we share. Now, we've kind of gotten to this place after the last, you know, 10 weeks or so, where we talked a lot about what it means to fellowship with each other and what that looks like relating to God. And this morning, I told you that we would talk a little bit about what does fellowship with the Father and with the Son look like. What does it mean to personally experience God? Because that's what John is getting at. What does it mean to connect with God? I had somebody say this week, I really want to connect with God. Well, what does that look like? Well, John helped us a little bit last week with, a, with another some metaphor of walking. Metaphor of walking. Because in verse 5, which I don't have 5 and 6 up here because we looked at them last week where John says, you know, God is light. And if we walk in the light, we have fellowship with God. We have fellowship with him. So there's sort of a fellowship with God. There's a fellowship with him, light, we're walking in light. But John's not finished with that metaphor. And I just want to show you these verses quick, and then we'll, we'll spend some time getting very applicational with it. So we're fellowshipping with him in verses 5 and 6. But in this text here, just a few verses later in chapter 2 and verse 3, now by this we know that we have come to know God if we keep his commandments. So I want you to see how these words are being used. By this we know, so we have a rational, and we can be confident, we can know something. This is rationally. That we have come to know, experienced, in relation with God himself. You can know rationally that there is something beyond the rational and experience a relationship, an intimate, personal dynamic with God. You can know that. You can know that you have that kind of dynamic. And notice what John says, if you keep his commandments. The one who says, I have come to know God, now, this is that intimate, personal, experiential kind of a thing, but doesn't keep his commandments. John says it's a liar, and the truth, it, it's not in him. Something's not right on the inside. All right? Now, uh, lots of people want to connect with God. Far less want to do what God says. So whatever kind of connection you want to have with God, if there's not something inside of you driving to do a, a truth that lives literally in you and cannot help itself but come out, John would say, 
something's wrong. That desire inside of you does, to obey God isn't there. Something's wrong with the relationship. And then he says in verse, whoever obeys his word, truly in this person, inside him, this is sort of that internal experiential dynamic going on. The love of God has been perfected in him. This is a, just a profound statement. And every once in a while, John will throw this kind of statement in at the most strategic times to make sure you know that this is not about just moral obedience, that God's love has come to you and it is coming out of you and you can't help but want to do what he wants you to do. That's, that's what's going on here. And then he says, by this we know that we are in him. We are in him. So there's this whole language of he's in us and, and we are in him. This is the experiential sort of the mystical side, what we've been talking about. The mystical side, there's a rational side to Christianity. You got to believe who Jesus Christ is, John says. There's also a mystical side where he is inside of me and I am inside of him. And when that's happening, I want to do what he wants. The one who says he resides in God ought himself, here's our phrase again, walk just as Jesus walked. So now you have a walk with and you have a Walk like. So you have walk with and a walk like. That's what God is saying here. So let's talk about this walking and let's just get real more. Let's get a little more mystical and a little more practical on this. Walking uh, is a profound, profoundly packed theological image in Old Testament and New Testament alike. Very relational kind of uh, image, very relational. Right from the beginning, God was walking with Adam, loved walking in the garden with Adam. He walked with Abraham. Remember, Enoch walked with God. Uh, he said, Abraham, walk before me. And then, uh, and then later, God said, I'll walk before you. The dynamic of this. So walking is a very fellowshipy word. It's a very fellowshipy word. It's a highly, it's a relational activity. Walking is a relational activity. It's something that's very easy to do, and it's very relational. Everyone can do it. It's an enjoyable activity, easily done together. No one ever says, let's go for a jog and have a conversation. No one ever does that. Okay? You know, if you read through the New Testament, and I was just, you know, if you're, if you're looking at walking a lot in the New Testament, you'll see Jesus was the greatest pedestrian. He did the most walking in the Bible anyone ever did. And, uh, and in that walking, the greatest things happened in that walking. Discipleship happened in that walking. He made his way to the cross in that walking. He was determined. He was heading direction. But it was slow, methodical. This walking image is very, very powerful. In fact, I came across a book looking at this stuff called Wanderlust, A History of Walking. 
Literally, there's a book about the history of walking. I couldn't wait to get into it because I just wanted to see. So I looked in it, and it was one of those ones I went online, and I just started reading in different places of it. And uh, it's, it's about the acceleration of pace in life, how walking was uh, so significant in, you know, obviously earlier years. And uh, it traces all the influential walkers of the world and all the brilliant people that have influenced life and how walking was a big part of their, I can't even go into it all, but they did have one chapter called The Mind at Three Miles an Hour. And I liked that one and I read it. And it talked about philosophers and so forth. Aristotle, uh, Plato, all these guys who walked, they actually had uh, a walking school. Well, they would walk in a lot of the great thinking. So it was just interesting to see uh, the significance of, of walking and what comes out of this image. Because it's, it's a moving term, too. You're moving at the same time that you're interacting. And, I, and I, that's why I like this image is here. We're interacting with God, but we're also out and about like him in the world. So whatever your fellowship with God like, it has this kind of peace, this kind of dynamic to it. There's this, there is this real relational communion, but there's also walking like him in the world. Uh, it's, walking is slow. So you think about your spiritual life. It's slow. It's rhythmic. Methodical. Very maintainable. We're not running. When we run, you know, what are you doing when you're running? You're when you're running, I mean, I run a little bit. I'm not a big runner, but I run a little bit, and I run enough to know that when I'm running, I can't wait to stop running. <laughs> you run enough to know that all you want to do is breathe and stop running. That's all you want to do. But walking is, is regular. You do it daily. Day in, day out reality. John is day in, day out reality kind of images. Walking is not something you hurry. So you want to connect with God. You can't be in a hurry. So if you've got a hurry disease, you're going to have, a, you're going to have expectations of God that are, that are never, ever going to be met in you. Uh, it's relationally interactive. So it's not just one-sided. It's not you coming to God just to get something you want. That dynamic won't work. And it's a very daily uh, activity. And whatever this walking means, whatever this fellowshipy walking kind of interaction means, when I'm walking out in the world, when I'm out and about, I'm walking like him. Something has happened when we're together that, has, that makes me walk like him, his pace. Do the kinds of things he did along the way. That's what happens. That's the imagery. It's that beautiful. So, what does it mean to experience God in this walking? Now, this gets really mystical, and I think, for the most part, that uh, um, these are shared experiences that we should all be having in terms of our relationship with God. So, I'm not describing. I have a book that I've just uh, been reading uh, called... Uh, the deep, deeper experiences of Christians in the past. It's called Deeper Experiences with God from 
Christians in the past. And you read their stories, and all of us have moments that we can say, that was one of those moments with God that I, you don't get them all the time. They're special and unique. You don't necessarily talk about them a lot. But then there is a, a very common, regular kind of experience we ought to be having with God that should be shared among us all. It should be common among us all. It's not the kind of thing that, you, that only your pastor experiences. Or somebody that you, you think of and you go, yeah, I can understand that guy getting that experience. No, this is very, what John is describing, that's the reason he uses the image walking. Who in here can't walk? We can walk together. We, we can do that. It's, a, it's an easy, simple, gradual, rhythmic maintainable activity. And so, sometimes in this experience with God, I either experience God when I'm having some private time with God or while I'm out and about. Either one of those. So what I've done is I've just sort of put together uh, just a few things. I just try to describe what this sort of internal experience should feel like for all of us. This could be described lots of ways. You might describe it a different way than I would. And one of, the, one of the struggles with explaining the mystical side is we could say it a lot of different ways. I'm just going to say it to you this way. So all I know is that there are times in my life, and this is common to all of us, we should all have this, we sense God at work in us in a way that it would be impossible, impossible to explain the divine work inside of me any other way than that God is there. You understand what I'm saying? It's just that kind of, I can't explain it any other way than to tell you that all I know is that that was God. And I can't, that's all I can tell you. And so what I did was I jotted down some things that, the way that looks like in my life sometimes. And I, I just put it into three categories. The first one is, I experience his presence. I experience his presence. I mean, John says God's in there, and I'm in him. There's no way that I can have a relationship with God where I don't sense him in me and sense me in him. Those moments ought to be in your life. You ought to have those moments. Uh, it, it, you can't help it. And I call these special moments. I just call them special moments. Um, because uh, relational moments. They're the kinds of things that, uh, this isn't the time when God's telling me to do something or I feel obligated or anything like that. They're just a moment where I go, man, that was God. And I've put three ways down just this week that I experienced that, okay? Uh, one of them was, uh, it was actually well, last week, uh, I was in California. And we were staying in this really pretty place at, in Redondo Beach that was a friend's. Some friends gave us a place there for a few days. And I walked out on the balcony, and it's beautiful. It's just beautiful. You could walk right to the ocean. And I had never been to the West Coast. And it was so beautiful. And I was standing out there. I had a cup of coffee in my hand. And I said to myself, because I've been thinking about this subject because we've been in First John for so long. I said, God... This would be the perfect place for you to show up right now for me. I mean, why wouldn't you want to show up here? It's beautiful. All of a sudden, and then I, then I asked myself this question, 
What would it look like? And you can ask it too. What would it look like if God did show up? What would it have to look like for you for God to show up in a moment like that? You're like, oh, wow. I'm not really sure. Would I have to see him coming across the ocean? Uh, would a cloud have to form in the shape of Jesus? You know what happened? All of a sudden, all I can tell you is, I was filled with gratefulness from my feet to my head. I was just grateful to God. I was with very special people to me. I was, I just, all of a sudden, filled with gratefulness from the bottom of my feet to the top of my head. I can't explain. All I know is it's a, it's a, it's a thing God does. Um, this week, I found a song. I'm a real song guy. Uh, just so you know something about me, not a lot of Christian music moves me. There's only some. It's got to be, it's got to really feel authentic to me. Okay? Don't be offended. My pastor doesn't like Christian music. Don't, please don't say that. I'm being honest with you. If I can't be honest with you, this is going to be a miserable relationship for the next 20 or 30 years, I can tell you right now. Miserable. But every once in a while, you hear somebody sing a song, and, you, and God, you know, God will use that moment. And I'm driving in a car, so I'm out and about. And this wasn't a private moment. This was out and about, and I'm listening to this song, and I mean... I have this overwhelm, overwhelming experience. I'm not afraid to tell you, chills came over me. They're coming over me now. The song had this uh, Motown groove. It's a Christian song. It had this sort of Motown groove, which I grew up listening to. And, uh, and so it was very nostalgic took me all the way back to 10th grade when I gave my life to Christ. And in the car, I've got chills. I have tears coming down my eyes. I'm memorizing this song because I wanna, I'm singing it at the top of my lungs. It was a horrible-looking thing if you'd have looked inside the car. <laughs> it was a horrible-looking thing. But I'm having this nostalgic moment where God has literally, in, through the song, taking me right back to where I can tell you that I know for a fact I gave my life to Christ, and it's never changed. And it was as if I could literally relive that moment again. And all of the wonders of that summer and my conversion came upon me in just one moment. And it was just a marvelous moment. You've had those, right? Maybe it's a song. Or, and another one I've got uh, was just in community, like an interaction with a brother or a sister in Christ. And just interacting with you, I can just sense totally God at work. Because we share, you know, you can, you can meet a Christian anywhere in the world. And when you meet them, you just, you just immediately, you're connected to Jesus. You know who he is. You have a common experience. That's what's shared in common. And that's what John's trying to get at. Don't tell me you have your unique experience with God that no one else has. No, we all should be having these kinds. So these are my special moments. Uh, and then there's a second kind of experience that I have with God. 
Uh, and I, it's, uh, it's when, and this is the phrase that I'm using, it's when, when his truth gets big to me. When his truth gets big to me. Let me see if I can explain what I mean. Sometimes when I'm, uh, you know, we always talk and we worry the most about our doubts. Because if you're like me and you walk the, a life of faith, you have doubts every now and then, and they'll creep into your life. They'll, some of the doubts are daily. Some of them are big. Some of them are big doubts. You, you know, wonder if he's up there. You wonder if he knows what he's doing. You wonder if he's really in control. You wonder, did all this really happen? Did, all the big stuff. Then there's little stuff. All those doubts are very natural and normal to all of us. And we talk about those as though they're the most, the scariest moments. But don't you also have moments where, I call these confirming moments, moments where the Spirit of God says something inside of your heart and you, you, you're looking at life and reality and all of a sudden you go, of course I have doubts, but there are moments when I have never been so absolutely assured in my whole life of anything. You ever had that moment? Yeah, every once in a while, you'll get a little wobbly. They're not always. But very often, and I will tell you, as a believer, you ought to have more moments where you go, yeah, that's where you go, oh my gosh, I've never been more assured of anything in my whole life than that Jesus Christ is real and that he came and that I have a relationship with him and that one day I'll spend eternity with him. There ought to be those moments in your life where they're so real and confirming and they make you solid. You've never been so solid in your whole life, those kind of moments. They're not always, don't just live that way intense, hardcore belief all the time. But I have moments like that. And I, I, those moments keep me solid and grounded in the midst of lots of unknowns. Uh, so I call those confirming moments uh, where he confirms his reality to me and I know he's right. And this can be in the big truths. This can be in practical truths too where I know for a fact it is better to give than to receive. I'm talking about moments of confirmation of not just theology and doctrine. I'm talking about practical reality where I go, yeah, that is better to do. And in this moment, I get it clearly because you'll have lots of moments where you'll think, I think Jesus was nuts when he said that. But then there are moments when you go and they, and they make you brave and you step out and do something because, because you're so assured of it. that kind of dynamic and relationship is what I'm talking about. Then there'll be moments, I'll be uh, other kinds of moments like that, where you're, where you're studying or you're reading and you sense God speaking to you. You ought to hear him. Listen, there's no way he's in there and not speaking. It's a soft voice, by the way. It's not like God to scream. Nobody screams on a walk. You scream when you run. Oh, you're screaming. You're not screaming when you walk. Uh, it's, a, it's a voice. You, you, you can hear it. I think about uh, the, on the road to Emmaus. I read that story this week. Here it is after the resurrection. These two folks are taking a seven-mile journey. 
heading back to wherever they were from Jerusalem. And, and they're debating and discussing, wow, this looks like it's all over. And the resurrected Jesus comes right up to them. And, this is, and you know what I loved about that story, reading that story? You know what really hit me? What really hit me was Jesus couldn't wait to catch up to these two monkeys. Again, just couldn't wait to catch up to him. When he got up to him, his question was this. So what you guys talking about while you're walking? Can I walk alongside? And he walked seven miles with these guys. And you know what he did? He just started from the beginning, just confirming the story. Just confirming the story. Hey, guys, let me take you back to the beginning and show you. Because they had all these doubts. That's when their legs were a little wobbly. But then God, come, Christ comes right alongside them right there and says, let me just connect the dots for you here. And you get that feeling. that. And the scriptures say their hearts burned inside of them. Their hearts were burning. That's what happens. You hear it, it gets confirmed in you, and your hearts. And Leonard Sweet said this in a book about listening to God. He said, it's, it's a warmth that grows into a fire that burns our hearts to love and serve. You cannot help but say, oh, I got it now. Boom, and out the door you are. Walking like him. That's the feeling. And sometimes when all that happens, there's an action to take. Sometimes i got to do something as a result of it. God wants me to act a certain way. He wants me to respond a certain way. Sometimes he's just, he wants me to be convicted about something. Two kinds of conviction. The kind of conviction that tells me, Pete, you're not right about that idea or that thought or that feeling. That's not right. Or sometimes it's a conviction of this is this is a true reality, and I need, I need to live as if it's true. I need to live as if, as if this is true. And there are moments in your spiritual life when you're having those. And I love, I love those moments. Where the hearer becomes the doer. You get brave. You're that confirmed. You're that sure in your heart that God is in there with you. And... What he has said is true such that not you could just tell someone, I believe it. You'll actually, you're brave enough to actually trust it and do it. You ever have those moments? I, I, I like these moments because they're moments, I kind of drew this picture up here today of this brain. Uh, this is the rational side of you. And in these moments I'm describing, uh, something happens where it goes from the brain to the heart. It's the Emmaus Road experience where you go, I've, I've thought that, I've believed it, I've discussed it, but all of a sudden, it's, it's who I am. I cannot help it. It's in here, I got to do it, or... Uh, it's, it's just become something real inside of your heart. Where, that it affects all of your being, your emotions, your will. Those moments I'm talking about. You've got to have this. Uh, so that's where truth gets galvanized. Moments where, this is the truest thing I've, ever 
felt or thought in my whole life. And then there's a final one, and it's, uh, I call it uh, where life slows down. There's times when truth gets big, and you get brave when truth gets big, and it can be fleshed out into your life and heart, and you can't help yourself. And then there are, uh, I like this one here, when life slows down. Uh, And that's back to our image here. Because there are times in my life, and this is more the experience of my life when um, you have private experiences, but then you also have experiences while you're, at, while you're out and about at life. God is still walking with you, and you're trying to walk like him. Uh, and you, you have this experience. i see if this is it. Isaiah 30, 21. And your ears shall hear a word behind you, saying, this is the way. Walk in it. When you turn to the right or when you turn to the left, and there's just those moments when God is just seems to literally be speaking into your ear and guiding your life. This is when life slows down, in my opinion. So I call it life slows down because um, I talk to a lot of people whose lives, you know, they get up in the morning and they're off and they're thinking their life and their business and what they got to do and what they got to accomplish, and we all do that. But in some way, shape, or form, life has to slow down enough for you to even imagine that you might be able to hear something from God and walk in that at any moment. If you're running, of course, you missed it, okay? And you can't breathe. But if you're walking, in other words, if, you're, if you've entered your life in such a way at a pace spiritually so that if God spoke to you something in the middle of a meeting, you could do it or say it in that moment. That's what I'm talking about. Where, the, where it's slow enough that you could actually work something in that he wants you to do. This is what they say about NFL quarterbacks. What do they say? We got a few in the, we just saw the combine. We're about to have the draft. What do we want? We want to see, you know, what they say about a quarterback is the, when he gets to the NFL. And one of Parcells' big deals was Parcells on the sidelines used to love to wait for the rookies, their very first game, to come off the sideline and for him to, to see the look in their eyes about how fast the game is. That's one of his favorite moments. And I love to hear Parcells talk about it. And what they say to about a quarterback is, the game is slowing down for him. Have you seen that? Have you heard that? That means the quarterback in, in two and a half seconds can literally look at everything that's going on and go, and my guy's still 12 yards away from where I'm going to throw the ball. I can see where the safety is over there. I can see where everybody is. I know exactly what he's going to do. And in two and a half seconds, I can put the ball right where I want it and right where he's going to be just by assessing it. And what they say about those quarterbacks is the game has slowed down enough for them because it's so fast. I played a little bit of quarterback in high school. I was a backup quarterback in high school. Miserable experience. (laughs) Miserable experience. And I never, ever, ever, ever could have the game slow down enough for me to make sense of any play. It just never did. No one was where I needed him to be when I needed him to be there. No one. 
Like, he's going to do a down and out, but he's only done the down, and I'm going down. And he's not out yet. And so I'm in trouble. We had a guy who could do it. We had a, he was a friend. He was my friend. He was my high school friend. And, and he could do it. So this is, you know, if, you're, if it's slowed down enough, and then you have moments where you can allow God to speak to you right in a moment. I'll tell you, I had a moment this week, and maybe you've had this moment here lately or in your life. I know you have it regularly because we all have it at times. Some, part of it is just us being selfish. Uh, but you ever feel gypped? How many times a week do you think you feel gypped? Like, like just think about it. How, how long has it been since you've even used that word? Because I was saying that word this morning, and I haven't even said the word gypped in a long time. But how many times do you feel gypped? You could feel gypped in your marriage. You could feel gypped by your kids. You could feel gypped. You know, because gypped is the feeling of, you know, I've put a little more into this than I'm getting back. Okay? Have you ever had that feeling? You know you've had that feeling. And I had it this week in something. And it really dawned on me. And, and I had also the moment. This is the other thing I was thinking about. Uh, how about if you had a moment where you felt gypped, and I don't know uh, what category it would come in, but you had this moment that comes right after it. But I have been so blessed by God, I can afford it. I've been so blessed by God, I can afford not having received that from someone, whether it was tangible or whether it was relational where that second feeling comes. And it isn't something you force in there, okay, I'll be thankful. I'm not talking about that feeling. I'm talking about a soul-level feeling. The soul-level feeling where you go, I'm happy to do it because I have been so blessed by God that I can, I can suffer a loss for you or with you. I think that's how Jesus would think if he got gypped. In fact, now that I think about it, how often was Jesus gypped? Oh my gosh, he's not only the best, he's not only the best walker in the New Testament. He got gypped the most. Because there's one of those moments where, where you're walking like him. And he whispers to you, hey, Pete, don't take that personally. You've been plenty blessed. It's moments like that where the game slows down enough that you could actually have that kind of thought enter a really painful, hurtful moment for you. The other one is not just a moment like that, because that's internal and it's personal. But you're, you're, but you're working along with him. And you feel like as you go through the day, not that you've had this, you know, like you've had this long day, and then all of a sudden you come home and you realize you're, oh, yeah, and I'm a believer too. And, and, and you forgot that maybe God was with you the whole day. And doing certain little things in the, in the hustle and bustle, of your day, but the feeling of not just that God might be able to put a thought in your heart to feel, but that he also might put a directive in your path to accomplish while you're out there, something you ought to say in a moment. 
something you ought to do. That guy needs encouragement right now. Speak it. Do this, do that, whatever it is. Those moments. Only God. Dallas Willard has this uh, picture in his, in his book. He describes the idea of stepping into the kingdom, walking in the kingdom. And in his book, Living in Christ's Presence, uh, he talks about uh, gravity. You need gravity to walk. He says, you couldn't, he says, you couldn't walk without gravity. But if you wait on gravity to make you walk, well, then you're never going to move. And this is how he relates that, and I love this. He says, God is there. He's active and he's powerful. If you'll step in line and with him, he'll act on your behalf in those days. And he's dying to tell you, give you directions in the course of a day. And when he does, those moments are God speaking to you. And you can almost hear It's very similar to marriage. In marriage, in this intimate relationship, you don't have to be with your spouse uh, you can be alone somewhere, and something will happen, and you will immediately say to yourself, I know exactly how my wife would respond to that. I know exactly what she would think of that. I know exactly what she would say about that. You know what I'm talking about? You know exactly. You can practically, and this is scary, but you can hear her voice in your head. <laughs> you can actually hear her verbalizing the thing. And this is because of the, relate, the nature of the relationship is so close. That is the kind of dynamic I think is being described here in Isaiah 30. Where God's voice is familiar and I hear it and I know how he would think in that moment and I know what he would want me to do in that moment. And when that dynamic is happening, then you know that you know him. Like John says, you know that you know him. So I'll close by um, looking at this. I, I, I just love reading Deuteronomy 30, 11 to 14. It says this. For this commandment that I command you today is not hard for you. Love that line. Neither is it far off. You know, and that's walking, by the way. It's not hard not far off. It's not in heaven that you should say, who will ascend to heaven for us and bring it to us? And he's talking to them. It's at the end of Deuteronomy. He's talking about uh, their relationship with God and how they're going to operate in the kingdom. And God's showing them, yeah, this is how things are going to work. And he says, who, you know, we don't have to ask, well, who's going to go to heaven to get what God wants me to do today? I don't know what he wants me to do. And bring it to us that we may hear and do it. We're like, yeah, God, we'd really like to hear you. And we've complicated that for sure. And this is what he says. Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, well, who will go over to sea and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it? Here's what he says. The word is very near you. It's very near. It's in your mouth and it's in your heart so that you can do it. He's in you. You are in him. This walk should, you should, that walk should be happening very easily. It's not impossible. You can't be sitting there today saying, that'll never happen to me. Because the things I've just described, I bet most of you following Christ have experienced easily yourself. Those are, com those are common things. But 
They're unexplainable without God. And I'll just close by giving you a quote by Davies, who said this. W.H. Davies. So I'm looking for quotes on walking. This is what he says, and I loved it. He just said this. It's just so simple. He said, now, shall I walk or shall I ride? Ride, pleasure said. Walk, joy replied. I just loved it. And I'm going to ask you the same question. Shall you, are you going to walk? You going to walk with him? So that you can walk like him? Jesus came and made it because, because he ached so bad that he couldn't walk with Adam anymore. Jesus made a way to come right among us and walk among us and walk himself right to a cross. And as the resurrected Lord is dying to walk up alongside of you anytime you want, anytime you're, of, anytime you're in tune to walk right in step with you, to affirm your heart, confirm it, guide it and direct it, convict it, Well, Father, we ask today that we would walk. We want to walk. We don't want to ride. We don't want to hurry. We want to walk. I pray. In this room today, Lord, if there's someone in this room who's never come to know you, Lord, and they haven't entered that fellowship that John is describing, the wonder of seeing Jesus Christ for who he really is, the life real life. Or maybe our faith, what we thought was faith, was really just a mental thing. It was just rational. It was just things we believed, but we never really trusted you in a way that we could actually experience your love being perfected in our hearts. So that's what we want. I pray anyone, Lord, who has not given their life to you, anyone who has not experienced that, immediately today would say, surely I want that. And for the rest of us, Lord, who have been hurrying, and it's been a while since we've had maybe a close encounter with you, even though you live inside us, maybe we're just moving too fast. Shall we walk or shall we ride? Walk, Joy replied. Thank you, Father, for walking into our lives and to the cross. In Jesus' name, amen.